companies are leveraging AI in today's recruiting and hiring practices with the goal of reducing and eliminating bias. While we use AI at Xerox to help increase our sourcing of women and diverse talent, it's important to acknowledge that it does bring challenges. What we've seen is that AI cannot operate on its own. This is the marrying of the human judgment and influence with AI. The way we think about this at Xerox is we look at color in its entirety and focus on providing solutions to our customers that are fully inclusive of all people, which is how we think about this in also our hiring and sourcing of talent. There's a revolution taking place right now. Talent and intelligence are equally distributed throughout the world, but an opportunity is not. The talent economy, the idea that at the center of work is the talent, is the individual. The way we work has changed forever, and highly skilled talent is demanding flexibility around the way they work and the way they live. This podcast brings together thought leaders, staffing experts, and top talent to talk about the evolving nature of work and how companies can navigate these changes to remain competitive, drive innovation, and ensure success. Welcome to the Talent Economy Podcast. I'm your host, Meredith Bodkiss. Today, we welcome Suzanne Morneau-Wade, Chief Human Resources Officer of Xerox, named one of the top 50 HR professionals at the 2021 National Diversity and Leadership Conference. Suzanne has over 20 years in HR leadership, holding posts at Hess, Mitsubishi, General Electric, Quaker Oats, and more. She joined Xerox in 2016 to focus on compensation and benefit strategy, and she became Chief Human Resources Officer at the end of 2018. Suzanne also serves on the board of directors for A Better Chance, a nonprofit organization that supports quality education for youth of color. We are thrilled to have you here, Suzanne. Meredith, hello. It's so nice to be here with you and what an honor. Really am pleased to be joining you and our broad audience here who are listening to this uh, podcast. I have to admit, this is my first time doing this. So really looking forward to our conversation. Likewise. Well, we are honored to have you. So I will start by asking, tell us about how you got to be CHRO of Xerox. Well, great question, Meredith. Thank you. And let me take you, I guess, a little bit back in time. I always describe this as being a circuitous journey. I was never one who had a straight path to this particular office. But, you know, I actually started in the finance and accounting space not even thinking that I would have any inkling of being in HR. I was asked to participate on this cross-functional team. You know, I later found out I was high potentials. And that was my journey into learning about HR. You know, I fast forward a little bit. And uh, through the the time that I spent on this cross-functional team, I was invited to join the HR function. And I then started a career in in HR. I was fortunate, very fortunate, and really blessed, I think, through hard work and determination to catch the eye of some senior leaders who then took it upon themselves to ensure that they were really not only mentoring, but sponsoring me. And it was well before I knew anything about what sponsorship meant. I had two individuals in particular who uh, over a course of many years became my career sponsors. 
And I accelerated a number of roles and positions uh, in a short period of time. When I came to Xerox, I actually came in the role of uh, head of total rewards, responsibility for compensation, benefits, and other matters here for a couple of years before being asked to and appointed into the CHRO. And I think, again, I'd like to say hard work, determination, and really delivering and continuing to do what is needed to be successful as part of that. And I think a lot of people are always so impressed with how Xerox has continually reinvented itself. And now Xerox is doing amazing high-tech work. In what innovative ways are you showcasing that in your talent acquisition efforts? Thank you for recognizing the amazing work that we have done at Xerox. We continue to do everything possible to think about how to make the workplace a much better place for uh, individuals. But in the area of talent acquisition, we invest heavily in technology as a technology company. Artificial intelligence, RPA, automation are all key to our talent acquisition efforts. Most recently, we implemented a new applicant tracking and a CRM system. And it's one that we launch globally, but it really changes the way in which users, candidates experience Xerox. We also use it internally. So we like to think about our own employees as customers as well. And so that allows them to experience the hiring process in a positive way. Additionally, we also think about using and leveraging AI in this environment to source talent. I mean, we are all looking for great talent and women and diverse talent are very difficult to find, but we leverage our technology to ensure that we create a very robust pipeline of talent because for us at the end of the day, we think we become a better company by having a much more diverse organization. So technology is only part of the answer. Meredith, you know, you also have the human connection. And it's really through ensuring that our managers, hiring managers, our recruitment teams are well-versed on what does it take to tell our story, tell our narrative, because it's one that's changing, and ensure that people understand the Xerox journey and the future. I'm glad that you brought up diversity because I imagine that your nonprofit work dedicated to educating young people of color influences your approach to being Xerox's CHRO. How does it impact your work now at Xerox? For us, giving back to the communities in which we serve is a key part of our value system at Xerox. Educating young people and educating young people of color is something that's obviously something that's important to me personally, deeply personally, and professionally. I serve on the board of directors for Better Chance because I want to be able to give back. And I think it is also our responsibility as corporations to ensure that we are preparing individuals to lead corporations in the future. We've been doing this work for six decades, focused on creating equitable communities And when I think about my role as a CHRO, my role is to ensure that our organization thinks about this mandate to help and to build and to think about the future of this company. 
as I said earlier, I believe that our company can be better, can do better by having a much more diverse workforce. And that diversity comes not just racially, ethnically, but also in thinking about broader backgrounds. One additional point I want to make is that we've established a partnership with a number of organizations focused on educating young people of color. And one of them that I want to mention in this podcast is A Better Chance, or ABC. We have not only made a financial donation, but for us, also sitting on the board, being involved and helping to guide and provide support to the leadership team is something that's important to us as well. Definitely. And one thing that your colleagues and peers have told me is that you have a knack for quantifying diversity and inclusion efforts, something that many companies struggle with. How does measurement play a role in companies' success in diversifying their workforce? Well, diversity, inclusion, belonging is in our DNA at Xerox. And we continue driving change within our company and, as I said earlier, our communities. You know, we embrace a particular saying here that goes along the lines of what gets measured gets done. And I fully believe if you're not measuring it, it probably doesn't matter. And it's probably not in people's thinking or in their focus. So building a more diverse and inclusive workforce starts with diverse candidate pipeline. One of the ways we measure our progress in this area is through, as I said, our ability to use AI to source talent. And that's a key part of that. Just if we looked at in Q1, for example, we increased our sourcing of diverse candidates by 10%. And we know what a difficult environment this is at the moment. We also added an ESG metric to our leaders' compensation to hold them accountable. Now, this was a discussion that we had with our board of directors and our management team, and we were fully aligned around how important this is to our company's success. And so again, we said, what gets measured gets done. And so my compensation and compensation of of other leaders can be positively or negatively impacted by our ESG results. And I know there is so much data to support that when you tie compensation to diversity inclusion efforts, amazing how everything improves. So I'm glad to hear that Xerox is implementing that I also know that you have made it your mission to amplify underrepresented workers' voices through employee resource groups. How can other people leaders effectively use ERGs to cultivate honest, open communication that actually prompts real significant change? Well, our employee resource groups or ERGs play a critical, vital role in helping Xerox. Not only when we think about our business strategy, but secondly, to advance our diversity, inclusion, and belonging roadmap. Each of our ERGs are aligned with an executive sponsor. So I sponsor a particular ERG and my colleagues do as well. And we take that role seriously. It is not only to drive the business impact, but we're trying to raise the profile of each of the groups. We have nine ERGs. We recently in the last year added uh, one for our veterans group, but each group is involved around driving positive change. And they are led by individuals leaders in the organization who have a passion for the company, for the purpose, for the mission of the ERG. And in the end, I think that's the wonderful recipe for success. I just want to share with you a couple of those initiatives. You know, we launched a mentoring program and that was led by one of the ERGs that I support. 
the Women's Alliance or TWA. We just recently took a bold step forward in enabling our candidates and employees to self-identify, what's also called a SOGI. And that was led by our Galaxy Group. This is our LBTGQ group. And there's tremendous work that each of the ERGs are doing around educating, raising awareness about social injustices against people of color. We recently led a session by our Asian group, ACT, Asians Coming Together, and they brought a lot of awareness around the discrimination and violence that people of Asian, American, Pacific Islander groups are experiencing today. So tremendous work by our ERGs. I'm really proud of them. I am personally curious, when ERG leaders have so much passion for what they do, they dedicate a lot of time to that passion and making sure that the people who are involved in the group are being addressed, that their needs are being addressed. How do you encourage these ERG leaders to do the jobs they were hired for in addition to leading these groups? Miraculously, it doesn't take much effort. They are truly passionate about the work. They are passionate about the cause, the mission, that they find the time and the space. Now, each of them are surrounded by teams, and that's what makes people successful, right? None of us are successful on our own. So they each have a team that work with them. I'll also give you another little secret. They each have allies, we have really pushed the idea of having allies as part of our organization, people who are not necessarily identifying with a particular group, but who want to embrace and focus and uplift the ERG. So many of the allies are helpful to our mission and helpful to the leaders of the ERGs as well. So you have managed to make room for continuous learning and development. How is Xerox bridging the pretty vast skill gaps that have managed to form these past 18 months or so? This is on the minds of every CHRO that I talk to. This pandemic has accelerated the way HR leaders and organizations have to anticipate the needs of the businesses, not just today or in the near term, but really in the near future. And in 2020, we did a survey. We surveyed a number of people through our future work survey. And we found that 34% of companies are accelerating their digital transformations. So many of us are looking around and saying, there are some skill gaps that we need to address. So these are the sort of things that we have to be thinking about, investing in for the future of our organizations. We've all been focused on preparing our employees while supporting our employees, preparing them to return back into the office. We're doing the same with our customers. Customers have gone through this level of change as well. So, you know, from an employee perspective, this includes technologies that can bridge skill gaps, employee, you know, enable employees to leverage digital skills. I'd love to share with you like one example. We acquired a company called CareAR last year. And earlier this year, we welcomed them to the Xerox family. But it's a pretty cool company. They're an augmented reality business. And this offers us the opportunity to do live virtual assistance technology. So, I mean, just think about that, you know, live virtual assistance. And so this is an important part of our ecosystem. And we have to ensure that our employees are 
able to utilize this technology, it's disruptive. And so it modernizes how we think about field service, support, customer support, and other IT services. So that's just one example. That is really cool. And I have to imagine that the response to using AR and learning via AR has been positive. But you tell me, because you're actually talking to these people, whereas I am just guessing, how have they been adapting to using AR to learn new skills? It's like any sort of change, right? You will have those individuals who are more receptive and and some who are not. And it's for us to ensure as leaders, people managers and HR leaders to help prepare people for change. One of the things that I would say, you know, is a hallmark of this of this past year is adaptability and resiliency. Those are two skills that we need to ensure that our people, right, are prepared to have in their DNA, in their skill set going forward because the world will be bringing about more change. There'll be more change to come. Another example that I would love to share with you, if I could, is how we're investing in talent in the future. I talked earlier about it is our responsibility to prepare our organizations for the future because we won't be here. And we do a number of things. One of them is by providing our employees with access to global learning platforms. So we've got thousands and thousands of targeted, self-managed or self-directed online courses that our employees can utilize. There are virtual classroom events, simulations, job aids, all sorts of learning and development resources. And in this environment, people appreciate that, to be able to do self-managed, directed learning to advance themselves, improve themselves, but also their performance. And we're finding that these things are heavily utilized. We also launched, and I will say this is one of the things I'm very proud of, an early in career talent development program. We call it VISTA. And this was our program that we recently launched. We did our first cohort. Really, it is about a program to help identify and develop early talent so that they can launch into more successive roles in the future. This sort of program and other things that we're doing really will help accelerate our employees' careers and, again, help us to create a more robust and diverse talent pipeline. Is there anything surprising that you had learned from going through this first cohort that you are planning to apply for the next cohort, whenever that may be? We didn't expect to be doing it during COVID with all the shutdowns and the restrictions. So if we could manage a global team of professionals using Microsoft Teams and WebEx and uh, manage that virtually, I think anything is possible. So that's one thing I didn't anticipate, but we managed to start the program and graduate them through technology. So it comes back to our earlier point about disruption and the digital transformation in front of us. And let's stay with digital transformation for a moment. I know you mentioned that Xerox is using AI in recruiting, but bias still manages to find its way into recruitment. How is AI solving this? That's a wonderful question. I mean, you hear about this and read about this in the news every day. Companies are leveraging AI in today's recruiting and hiring practices with the goal of reducing and eliminating bias. While we use AI at Xerox to help increase our sourcing 
of women and diverse talent, it's important to acknowledge that it does bring challenges. What we've seen is that AI cannot operate on its own. This is the marrying of the human judgment and influence with AI. The way we think about this at Xerox is we look at color in its entirety and focus on providing solutions to our customers that are fully inclusive of all people, which is how we think about this in also our hiring and sourcing of talent. We know that more people are getting vaccinated across the world and companies are starting to bring more of their employees back into the office. Xerox is clearly one of those companies. I believe I'm speaking to you from your office today. You are. I can't say it's sunny Norwalk, Connecticut. (laughs) (laughs) It is gray here in the New York City area as well. I'm wondering, how did Xerox make the decision to have their workers return to the office? As we said, I'm I'm here in uh, sort of overcast Norwalk, Connecticut, and have been for most of the year, as as most of the leadership team has been. Returning our employees back to the office was one that required a lot of discussion. I mean, our first priority has always been the health and safety of our employees. And at the onset of the pandemic, really, you know, you think about early 2020, We put in place very extensive processes to think about how we were going to handle the pandemic. Extensive health and safety protocols, including a full cross-functional COVID response team, which is still in place today. This cross-functional team has been in place to help support all the planning efforts and decision-making, because as we know, every country, state, county even, may have some differences. And so we needed to be aware of that. We have always strived to be very transparent and open with our employees in our goal to return employees back to the office. We've done this through multi-channel communication to keep people informed and educated on safety protocols and vaccines. I'll just share a couple of things that we've done here. In addition to the phased communications, we put in place, for instance, education with health professionals to help people understand what questions and answer any questions they might have about the vaccine or anything related to safety protocols. And we found those to be well attended. We provided those across the globe in multiple languages where appropriate and necessary. But in April, we started to invite and celebrate employees returning back to the office. Obviously, this depends and is dependent upon different parts of the globe where we're permitted by law and obviously our safety protocols. But we continue to measure, take a measured methodical process to how we return people back into the office. And we certainly look forward to seeing everyone when they do return. Is there anything more to say on how you are ensuring that returning employees have a positive experience when they come back to the office? I think for us, the open and transparency is key. I recently held a number of employee roundtables and and this question was asked. And one of the things I shared was a reminder of the 
safety protocols that we had put in place, a reminder that from a value system, their safety was our priority and that we would never return employees back to the workplace if we thought that there was any concern whatsoever. But I also reminded our employees that the business that we're in is predicated on people being in the office. And this is where we want to be able to demonstrate to our customers that we can have people in the workplace and do so safely. We have had very little to no workplace transmission. That is something that we're very proud about, but we do believe that employees can be in the workplace and can do so safely. Well, thank you for being with us on the talent economy today. This has been an insightful conversation and I wish Xerox all the best as all their employees come back to the office. Thank you, Meredith. I very much appreciate our time together. Thank you for listening to The Talent Economy. I'm your host, Meredith Bodkiss. You can find much more information about The Talent Economy on staffing.com and toptal.com slash insights, hubs for bold, comprehensive content featuring business thought leaders and authoritative research focused on the future of work.